This is Francis Mercier, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Okay, fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, my guest is DJ Francis Mercier. He's the label boss at Deep Root Records and is quickly becoming a force in the Afro house movement, as well as house music in general. Uh, he's got some great stories about his journey into dance music and kind of finding his voice and his, his unique lane that he wanted to play in. We have some really honest conversation about the challenges of being a DJ and an entrepreneur, business owner, uh, label head, uh, you know, being responsible for his own business and uh, the artists that he works with, but also kind of having a broader perspective about community and the sort of greater good of, of dance music, period. It's a fun conversation. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it right now with Francis Mercier. Well, man, thanks for making time to do this. Uh, uh, Lawrence is an old friend and, and known him for longer than I care to remember. Um, and uh, he always sends me good people. So I'm excited to, to dig in with you. And I, I, I love the music I've been hearing and uh, really, really like everything you're doing. So I'm excited to learn more about it. Thank you. So um, I, always, I always like to start at the beginning uh, do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? The first record I ever bought for myself? Mm. Uh, uh, probably I Dodge Your First Things by uh, Tiesto. Okay. Yeah, it's like, uh, I would say it was like a track that was in the early uh, 2005, approximately, I purchased that one. Okay. It was like, uh, it has a very grandiose kind of Olympic greek feeling to it if that makes sense interesting they had like a, a mixture of classical music together with dance and kind of more trance okay. very melodic and you know that's a record that you know i would say marked and really marked my interest in dance music yeah yeah and we, and had you was that kind of your introduction to dance music or had you had you known about it really before that or yeah i mean Really, the Tiesto in search of sunrise were really my introduction to dance music. I mean, obviously, I, I I've heard the Eric Morello. I like to move it, move it. Uh huh. You know, everybody kind of heard that. Of course. Yeah, so yeah. I, I used to hear it on the radio. It was always interesting to me the baseline, but I never really understood it till I was a little bit older and when around, uh, you know, fifteen onwards, I kind of like was introduced to. Uh, the compilation in search of sunrise okay by and they were like really like very dreamy mm -hmm. and very emotional you know sure. yeah and so is this are you still in haiti at this point or are you were you in the yeah States I, was, I, was, I was in haiti yeah oh, okay i had a few friends of mine you know because back back in haiti i had like a lot of international friends mm -hmm. so people from france people from the uh people from the us people from africa yeah. And they were exposed to Tiesto, you know, from the US and Europe. And 
they came with this uh they had like the cd you know with the cassette and you see like the nice this, this nice sunrise they yeah. were like Yo, this is the new album you got to check this out and we were listening to it and it was something really special together with the song from bob sinclair love generation oh yeah great record those were like epic tracks that really marked and piqued my interest you know sure. all the kids like i think somebody had just purchased an ipod if i'm not mm -hmm. mistaken mm -hmm. it was that era or like a okay. cd what, what are those yeah yeah and they were playing the record and everybody was like wow this is so cool oh my god you know mm -hmm. so from the vocal to the melodies to the to the whistle and in love generation mm -hmm. Or, you know, just the general In Search of Sunrise, the the feel-good, kind of dreamy and, like, emotional vocals. Yeah. They really touched me and sparked my interest. Sure. And from there, you know, I, I, I fell in love with the compilation and I, you know, purchased all of them and I used to, like, listen to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Became a big Tiesto fan from the, er the early days on. And when I came to the U.S., I went to see him in concert. Once I saw him, I was sold. I was like, okay, I need to be a DJ too. Was that your first uh, dance dance music show as well? Um, my, my first dance music show was Armin van Buren. Okay. So I saw Armin, I saw Paul van Dyke, I saw Tiesto, then I was like, that's the one. Nice. I got to do this. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, kinda, I saw Armin You kind of started Buren. at the top. Yeah, I saw Armin van Buren with Jess. She was performing live, mm -hmm. microphone. Paul van Dyke was playing in Central Park. Armin in Brooklyn. In Tiesto, in some arena in New York, he was okay. doing his Element Life tour. Mm -hmm. it was something special, man. Absolutely. Um, and so, so where was was that kind of the spark to you wanting wanting to DJ, or or how that happened? Yeah. That 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 from once I saw that, I was like, okay, you know what, this is what I want to do. Amazing. You remember yeah. the first the first show that you played? Uh, it was a college show. Okay. You know, for actually I started playing in my room. Uh-huh. Started playing for some friends for fun. Sure. And then after the first show was like wasn't campus. I think it was like a, a frat and they needed a DJ. Mm -hmm. so, I'm sorry, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Yeah, I know how to DJ. So I did the first gig. They paid me well. They paid me like three hundred bucks. I was like, wow, this is nice. crazy. Now for two hours of music, I can do this. Totally. I started scaling up from there, you know? So at what point is there, you know, uh, did the vision come together for, for what you're building now? Um, it, it took some time. I actually, you know, once I got into the DJing, I started throwing my own shows because that was really the only way to kind of make an impact. Sure. And... From there, you know, I started my event planning company. Okay. And I did that for some time, but then my previous business partner wanted to do more hip hop because that mm -hmm. was time I was trending. That was what was creating revenue the most. Yep. So that's not really my cup of tea. So I said, you know what? I want to start my own dance music imprint. And that's when I started Deep Root Records. Okay. This is in uh, 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. So about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started producing on my own because I wanted to like grow from playing local shows to potentially performing overseas and 
and doing what I'm doing now, it was a really big dream of mine to play my first show in Europe. I was like, wow. Yeah, I'm sure. Granted, granted when I was just a DJ touring my own shows, I had the chance to play in, in, uh, in Sweden. I had the chance to play in, in Switzerland as well, but not as an artist, more just as okay. a DJ, you know? Sure. Yeah. So from there, I had a taste of it and I was like, man, this is really what I want to do. I want to try and like be a producer. And I always wanted to, when I first started DJing, but it was such a mystery. And, you know, back then laptops were quite pricey for, sure. for college students. Yeah, of course. I don't have like back. I don't have this complex program, logic, Ableton. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is like Chinese to me. Yeah. <laughs> So it took some time. So, you know, I started with my DJing career and uh, I started touring my own shows up until I was able to build myself financially. Then I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a go and like launch myself as a producer, mm-hmm. get myself proper gear and give myself ample amount of time. So I took a year of complete hiatus in 2013, okay. completely disconnected from the world. Yeah. I was wow. working, I was making music, uh, Nighttime. I was making music from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. every day. Crazy. I did that for a year, and then that's really when I learned and you know mastered the craft. And from there, you know, it kind of it kind of escalated, and I went through different phases. Was there somebody that that helped you at the beginning? Yeah, I had a uh, one of my artists that I manage now. Um, he his name is Kosi. Okay. We started working together. We started making tracks together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also I had also gone to uh, Dubspot, which is a, mm-hmm. a dance music like institution. Yeah, it, I don't sure. think it's anymore, but they had like no, it's uh, gone sem- now. Yeah, yeah, they had, they had seminars. So I took quite a few seminars. I went mm-hmm. to a few different classes. I, I, you know, I was curious enough, but ultimately to to get the sense and the best of it, you, you got to produce on your own. You got to, you got to master the craft by doing. It's not just by uh, seeing, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So if you think back to that first year, um, what's somebody, what, what's, what's something you would tell people starting out to uh, not do? That, that you that um, you did maybe well the first thing is don't necessarily put out the first record you make you know mm-hmm. take the time to like understand your craft and make multiple records mm-hmm. become really proficient and become really you know like knowledgeable in the in your space mm-hmm. style of music you want to make and once you have like a level of proficiency then you can decide to put out the records but you know try to like have multiple records made and you know try to make some noise definitely that's something that i recommend people do not something that i recommend them not doing <laughs> you know, remixing working with other artists yeah doing art just for free not necessarily for release try to remix like big records mm-hmm. putting it on soundcloud you know that's always good to put your name out there to get some training mm-hmm. but in terms of releasing Originals that are going to go on Spotify and on all dance stores, I would take the time to really determine, you know, doing music that you believe in. Sure. Yeah. So talk about that that process of sort of discovering your sound, right? Because you start with 
you're inspired by Tiesto, by Paul Van Dyke, Armin. Obviously, the music that you make is quite different from yeah. all of that. Um, so how do you how does that happen? How do you go from taking that as inspiration to then developing your own sound? It, it, it's it's a three sixty to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, you it's mean? a three sixty because the 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 Paul Van Dyke, the Tiesto, and the Armin Van Buren of back in the day. People call it trance, but it's really close to the current deep house, which is sure. what I'm fond of right now, right? Yeah. But I went through cycles, so I started, you know, very fond of the the trancey kind of sound, and then I developed interest in classic house, which is what my main record label is. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, at that point, EDM was really booming. Yeah. So we there's the movement called future house that kind mm-hmm. of came relevance. The Oliver Heldens, this is the kind of sure. time when I was producing music. That was what was cool, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I started producing, really. And after producing that for some time, I said, you know what? I want to do something more underground. So I went to Tech House. And I did Tech House for a bit. And then I was like, man, you know what? The Tech House is lacking some soul. So I did some Classic House, finally. Mm-hmm. After doing Classic House, you know, during the pandemic, I really wanted to do stuff that's more melodic, more emotional. Because that's that was my original love, right? Mm-hmm. TS took kind of tracks, and I said, you know what? Let me experiment with the Afro, the melodic, the deep, the underground. And the pandemic, you know, I was I had time, so I was able to kind of like not produce just to release and to tour. Sure, I was able to produce and do something that I feel. Yeah. So. so I, I- I heard you on a on I think on Will Clark's podcast. Uh, oh. Will's been on this show, and and uh, I love I love some of the stuff you talked about, and and you know you talked about stacking up records during the pandemic, right? That you produced a lot of stuff, um, and you really took that time to dig in on music, right? Since you couldn't couldn't produce shows, um, so how did you know coming out of the pandemic? Hopefully we're we're out or we're coming out or something like that. Um, how did, what do you, what do you think you learned from that period and how has it shaped your, your approach going forward? Um, well, I think it's, it's given me, it's, it made me wiser, you know, it made me realize that what you put in the studio is what you get out of the studio. Okay. <laughs> made me realize that, you know, the more energy, the more unique you are, mm-hmm. um, the more, you know, effort you put into your music the better off you're going to be respected as an artist the better bookings you're going to get sure that it's basically the more quality records you release you're going to get noticed you're going to create an actual fan base so it made it made me realize the importance of 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 actually sitting down and doing your craft producing to the best of your capacity Mm -hmm. having like a tree multiple records made and having a sound that's consistent can you can you be a good judge of your own music, or do you go do you go to other people for that feedback? I, I'm a good judge of my own music. Okay, I know when something is good, when something mm-hmm. is acceptable. I know when something is really good. Okay. Yeah, and I I also know when I'm doing like a filler record and it's not really something special for me, and I know when I'm doing something that's like I feel it, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you 
you ever put something out that you know you thought was exceptional, exceptional, and other people aren't feeling that way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of tracks I put out. I think, I still think, I think people are just. I mean, you know, nowadays people think it's exceptional. People love it. I get mm-hmm. amazing response, mm-hmm. but maybe the dance stores don't love it. Maybe the dance stores don't give it the same level of support because nowadays, I think the industry is a little bit challenging you know if you're not a big artist if you don't have a big platform you're not going to get much love from the dance stores that's the, right. the bottom reality of it and it's kind of sad sure. um so you really have to have a very good product mm-hmm. you have to be to you know have a product that's strong enough to create dance to, to create fans to create listeners and an audience so that you can potentially have support from the dance stores mm-hmm. so one, one of the record I made, which I released on Blanish's label. It's called Bolingonanga. Mm-hmm. Has like a phenomenal guitar, very beautiful vocals. And I, and you know, for me, it's one of my, I think, best produced composition. But when I released it, it was like one of the first releases I had post, post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do well just because I hadn't released on a regular basis. So nowadays, now that I'm like a little bit more established and, you know, I've been releasing consistently and my profile has been able to grow suitably. Mm-hmm. When I play that record, the reaction is always phenomenal. So I know when I have something really good and typically when i when it's something really good and i know that it's really good i know the crowd is going to love it but the only thing is that you know it's not easy to crack the the matrix of the dance stores it it really is it really is a challenge you know to to be relevant in the space you know it's a it's a it's it's a hustle man you have to like really have a big record you have to release consistently you have to do like a strong promotional push Mm-hmm. potentially you have to have a bigger artist than yourself on the record for it to mm-hmm. really break for it to really see the light of day you know mm-hmm. yeah you know it's interesting i think about you know throughout the history of of music you know in all genres there's a lot of big records that we that we all know that weren't big when they came out that for whatever reason you know, it didn't react at radio or the stores or, or MTV didn't like it or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, there's story after story of people at a label or a manager or an artist who just wouldn't give up and they finally got the record and now it's stairway to heaven. Right. And, and, uh, stairway to heaven is a great example, right? That record did not work when it came out and, the guy at Atlantic Records just refused to to die, you know, on, on that record, right? He he wouldn't let it die, and and then it happened. And so, you know, I wonder. I think about that with with what you're saying, right? And this whole, you know, we're in this cycle that that just wants more and more content. Yeah, but to, this is happening prime time with one of my records. Actually, I have a record called Premier Gao. Uh huh. 
Um, the original release was, I, I would say, received very poor reactions from the dance stores. Yeah. And we made, I made a remix pack, right? Thankfully, the track had a huge sample and, you know, it was relevant in, in Europe a lot. Mm-hmm. Then I, I did a remix pack and nobody knew, everybody had lost expectations for that record. And, you know, Black Coffee picked it up, started playing it on repeat. Mm-hmm. Then Adam Port, then Kind of Music and me started playing it on repeat. And the track is now like gaining 10K views per day. Nice. 10 views per day. And it has not received any support whatsoever from any dance store, you know? That's crazy. And it's it's like the, the level of organic, you know, repeat streams is a proof of that. So you shouldn't ever give up on a record. And I knew the record was special. I knew the record was huge when I was making it. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it is a challenging situation for artists because you can have a, an amazing product and the the initial reaction because it may lack may cause you to give up but you know i I really recommend all artists if they have a if they believe in their project project to send it out send it out to djs if the dancers don't like it make sure the club market likes it sure i mean i think that really speaks to your you know uh your model of having your own label your own parties right if you were just an artist that signs of somebody else's label and you know you have so much less control over that uh-huh. um well, i release i release a lot of music on my own i organize my own showcases i try to push i try to be in control of my of my brand and of my music of my future so how do you think about that as far as the the business model right as far as where you're going to make money versus where what's promotional for growing your brand versus what's your you know artistic creative expression how do you, how do you balance those things um well i i've always put art first right it's not about the money okay if it was about the money you know we we wouldn't be doing what we're doing right sure certainly not underground music yeah this certainly not music point blank because maybe yeah music is sure. like you know you have uh one in a thousand chance to break through, you know, to make yeah. a living, right? So that's right. I I decided to pursue this career based on my love for music and based on my love for art. And today, you know, when when I, when I'm in a position where I need to pick between art and what's going to make revenue, I always pick the art, you know. And the, the because I'm a firm believer that the money will follow when art is good, the 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 revenue will follow. So so can you, can you give an example of that? Yeah, of course. Like, I'll be presented. I, I'll collaborate with like uh, I collaborated with a couple of huge singers, and I have these huge records sitting on shelves. I know if I release them, they're gonna crush. They're gonna crush dance stores. They're gonna kill it. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna take away from the authenticity of what I built, which mm-hmm. people are fans of, which is the Afro House. They want to mm-hmm. see the underground Francis Mercier, you know? And in the long run, is going to confuse my listeners, which I believe in the long run will affect my bottom line. Okay. I, I prefer creating, you know, music that I, releasing music that I really believe in 
Mm-hmm. In an art form that I really believe in, although today it may not create the same level of revenue that something else that's super pop would do. But I think, you know, where the art is at its peak, the money will follow. Sure. Okay. Um, thinking back to that vision, you know, that, that, uh, that you identified originally, what do you think you're getting right? Today? Yeah. Man, I'm being original. I, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know anybody else that's doing what I'm doing. Mm. I know some people that are doing similar. There's a lot of Afro house producers. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing Afro with tech house a little bit. Then going back to underground, I'm connecting the dots between different artists. I'm really open-minded. I'm here to support the community. I don't know many artists that you know, have such a willingness to help others, have such a willingness to connect, you know. So I think what's making me able to be relevant and kind of trending and successful is the fact that I'm very open-minded and very humble. Yeah, I mean, I know you collaborate a lot and I know you put stuff out on other labels and, and you know, you seem to be very um, community-driven. Are you competitive person as well uh of course that, that, <laughs> without a doubt but i don't i don't try to compete with others i try to compete with myself right okay fair enough i try to elevate and reach higher you know higher grounds i don't try to say okay um i don't want this person to win i, I want to do better than them like that's sure. not really what i i would like to say i like to do as good as them yeah i'd like for both of us to win mm-hmm I don't want to be left behind, but I don't necessarily want to be above somebody and be, you know, at the detriment. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in music and and in, in what we do, there's no, there's there's room for for multiple winners. Exactly. Yeah. I wish um, I, I wish the industry was. I wish more people in the industry were like me because it is cutthroat, man. Yeah. No question. <laughs> uh, it's cut through. Uh, well, I mean, it looks like you're having fun. Well, yeah. I, I, well, of course. I'm ha- Listen, man, I'm having fun, but I'm also having a difficult time. You know, it's challenging. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest, with you, it's not easy. You know, it, it's a lot of people think it's just smiling and partying and and drinking and <laughs> traveling sure. and enjoying. It, it's really not not, not yeah. that. You know, it, it's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of what's, sacrifices. What's the what's the hardest part right now? The hardest part is not being able to give um, my attention to my label, mm-hmm. because you know I'm traveling every day and I'm performing all over the world. Yeah. So I can't really be there to nurture, you know, my uh, weekly showcases. Mm-hmm. I can't really be there to nurture and to like you know polish all of my are the artists' releases. And I can't, you know, I have to like pass on the the torch to my label managers and to my team. And sometimes, you know, things could be done a little bit better if I was around. Granted, my team does an amazing job, but, you know, it's uh, it can be a little bit challenging, you know, to have to give away the control. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the... Uh... That's the curse or the burden of uh, of the entrepreneur, right? Is you build something and then you have to give it away. 
yeah. in order for it to to thrive and continue to grow. So that's that's the hardest part for me these days, you know. So where where do you go for help when you when you get stuck in with that stuff? Uh, well, I have an amazing team, man. I have like a business partner. I have two senior label managers. I have mm-hmm. amazing media team. I have an events planning team. I, you know, everybody's like doing their best. Um, I, I ask for help. I ask. I, I I try to call the team to really try to elevate, to try and push. But for me, the biggest challenge is you know to be on the road, not sure. being able to be. You know, when yeah. things are not going as planned, you know, the shows are not selling to the best. When, you know, we're not able to get the talent we want to have to accept it and just keep struggling and keep mm-hmm. fighting, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so we can reach. I get it. Um, tell me about the, you have, you have multiple imprints, right? Correct. Um, so tell me about that strategy. Why is that? Why is that a good idea instead of keeping because I'm, I'm, under I'm, one? I'm, 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 I'm out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a strategic play. Actually yeah. diversifying to be unified. That's really okay. because you cannot have, basically each label caters to a specific sound. And if we had kept everything under one umbrella, it would lack authenticity. You wouldn't have like a mission statement. Sure. You know, now Deep Root and the big picture is known as a house music or a record label. Now I have Deep Root Records, which is for tech house. Deep Root Tribe, obviously, is for Afro house. Mm-hmm. Deep Root Underground is for techno and melodic deep. And then we have Win, which is for pop music. Okay. So having this different label, it, it creates a more of a sense of community. Um, People can just go to the Deep Root Tribe playlist to get their 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 fix of Afro House. People can mm-hmm. go to Deep Root Sessions playlist to get their fix of Tech House. People know what they're getting into. When DJs receive a promo, they see Deep Root Tribe, they know what it's for. Sure. You know, when they see Deep Root Underground, they know what, what it's for. So we can target different audiences, different listeners, even when we're producing shows we have the capacity to have like um, multifaceted. Sure. We keep promoting like a, a techno show while we have an Afro house show. It's not competing. If everything was under one umbrella, if everything was under one umbrella, you, you can't really do two things at the same time. Fair enough. Sounds like yeah. a lot to manage, but I, I get it. I mean, yeah, it is a lot to manage, but it's, 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 it's much better. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 no, it makes sense. You're not, you're not competing. Yeah. Um. Talk about let's talk about music marketing for a minute. Uh, it seems like you know everybody's so fixated on TikTok right now, and you know there's all this hype about you know certainly in the major label side, you know they're waiting for for songs to break on TikTok before they'll even release something. Um. What what's it like? marketing what was a marketing plan look like right now for for the records you're putting out um I, I don't use any tiktok i don't even check tiktok you know I, <laughs> okay i try to stay in my space man yeah. you know like i try, i do what i know so <laughs> sure. up until what i know becomes irrelevant then i have to and i have the obligation to move elsewhere that's how so, I work. You know? so what so what is that for for you you know how are people how are you reaching 
audiences and and what you well, what does your marketing plan look like the, when you put the most the important my, my music is is meant for the club sure it's it's meant for easy streaming but mm-hmm. my music I, I really want it to be felt and to be discovered on a dance floor most importantly mm-hmm. so our records we we want them to be club records most importantly and from there to create experiences so that people want to come back and listen to them in their home, in their car, and whatever the case may be. But okay. we try, we try to prioritize relevance in the dance space. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, we try and prioritize relevance. You know, we want people to feel the records. We want to make stuff that's emotional, stuff that can really stick, and stuff that has a message, most importantly. So in terms of marketing, the first thing we cover, we want, you know, the big influencers to be able to play the records. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, hopefully, you know, we, we we try to bring the matrix to get some sort of support from uh, the dance stores. That doesn't always happen, but when it does, you know, it's always a bonus. Yeah. In order to really reach the wider audience and to really um, get records to break, my strategy is to try and collaborate with bigger artists. Okay. Because they just have a bigger platform. So if yeah. you have a really good record and you're a small artist, it's not going to succeed. Sure. You're not going to, you're not going to make a dent in the industry. Mm-hmm. If you make a dent in the industry, you got to work with a bigger artist. This is like um, proven. Like, yeah, no question. For 50 Features, plus remixes, exactly. all that. Yeah. That's why people, you know, they call, um, P. Diddy to feature on the record. That's why people, <laughs> yeah, that's why people, yeah, yeah, of course. Get those sure. remix the record. That's why people call other artists because sure, to get the visibility, to get the streaming, to get you know the relevance. So, so what about you? I mean, I know you, you have, you know, in addition to the label, you, you're managing artists. Um, what are you looking for besides someone whose music you like? What, what are you looking for in an artist? What, what tells you that you want to work with somebody? Okay. Um, first of all, I, I have to like their music. Of course. Secondly, I have to be able to connect with them on a personal level. You know, I, I have to be able to to see that the the you know they're good people you know I, first and foremost like we're not in the business here of making money sure we're in the business of creating relationships of making people happy so i have to be able to feel comfortable and happy with that person most okay. importantly so if i'm able to manage an artist i have to be able to vibe with them first and foremost you know we and have how to- do you do, do you do that you do that in the studio you do it in the club not uh... in the studio just talking to them okay just see- feeling the energy okay i can feel people's energy based on their text based on talking to them on the phone mm-hmm. this that's what makes me a dj sure <laughs> no <laughs> i like oh, it. That's, that's what being a dj you have to be able to read people right yeah. Yeah. you have to be able to read people from looking at them you have to be able to read an audience and read body movement to know if what you're playing is good that's right 
you have so as DJs, you know, we're able to meet people when we're talking to people, we're able to feel their energy. Okay. Through text, through through conversation, through mm -hmm. body language. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, speaking to an artist, I want to be able to see that the energy is right, that the intentions are are are, are good, that you know we're able to build something beyond just their career mm -hmm. that I'm able to contribute to them, to their life. And they actually care about what, what, what I'm doing and vice versa, you know? Love it. Yeah. So I try, I try to prioritize friendships okay. first and foremost over, you know, is this artist going to create profit for me? Sure. Especially in this day and age, if it's, if there's no friendship, if there's no synergy, I walk away, man. Mm. From whatever the business deal is, whether it be from the booking, whether it be from relationship, whatever the case may be, if if it's not right, it's better to skip it because, yeah. Are you um, are you good at saying no to things? Not very good, <laughs> but every day I'm realizing that I need to learn to do that. Sure, it's it's a tough skill. It's it's so important. Yeah, but, I mean, but it's I'm tough, and, start and, saying, and, and, it's, and especially for somebody who really values relationship and friendship. Yeah, I'm gonna start um, saying no, though. I'm gonna start saying no. <laughs> I, I mean, right. I have to, otherwise, I'm gonna die, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, full disclosure: I have like a lot of booking requests, and I have yeah. to start saying no. Yeah, people, absolutely. Like, no, it's good. It, it is. It's important, and it's and it's hard. Um, yeah. It's hard, especially I think for you know as an artist, you start out, nobody wants to book you, right? You get one booking and you're, you know, it's the best day of your life. And then if you do it right, then you have more than you can handle and you have to say no to things, but it's, but who wants to do that? Yeah. It's, it's difficult yeah. then. Yeah, for sure. Um, so these are, I know these are some good questions, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I've been doing this a long time. I appreciate it. Um, uh, well, here's an odd one. So I know you studied math in college, yeah? Yeah. And how how do you use that today? Is that is that important? I'm, I'm the founder of a business, bro. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so enough. So I, I, you know, I oversee, you know, the accounting, um, the decision making. I use it in, in my everyday, you know, because I think, you know, studying math just develops your brain. It's sure. Just study, studying anything, actually. Just develop your capacity to take on projects, to deal with, uh, you know, responsibility, to deal with pressure, right? Yeah. And just to keep cool when there's an issue. And I and I and I have to keep cool when there's an issue in music, in yeah. all form of way. Sometimes you know I have to make a record. There's a really strong deadline. I gotta keep my cool. Sometimes I'm performing, and you know. The vibe is not right. I got to keep my cool. Sometimes performing the equipment is problematic. I got to keep my cool, you know? Even yeah. I'm touring. I miss a flight. Not a big deal. I got to be able to, like, Absolutely. maneuver. So I think I've gained this kind of uh, aura and this kind of experience from, you know, challenging, difficult um, studies, which kind of trained me to deal with complex problems with a cool head i love it yeah I of course it. man. It's, it's, it's no we, we were we were supposed to call like 10 minutes ago I'm like, okay, <laughs> Andrew. 
yeah it's all good you got to roll with it that's those are big life lessons yeah um well let me let me uh do a quick lightning round before i let you get back to work okay um, what's your favorite city to travel to paris yeah mine too um who's your favorite dj uh today black coffee okay what's the last great book you read last great book a beautiful mind mm. it's a good one what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life that's a tricky one um oh wow oh wow i can't i can't respond to that that's that's a that's a really good one okay let's say maybe, maybe we'll say what movie have i seen a lot um probably the the, the french les intouchables the french movie with uh um the dark-skinned actor who's and who's who's helping the blind the blind you know what movie i'm talking about no okay it's a it's a french movie called les intouchables it's a okay French comedy. It it's a French comedy um, with an art with a actor called Omasi. I think okay. I've seen it a fair number of times. Yeah, nice. I'll look that up. Um, who's somebody you've learned a lot from that you haven't met? Oh, oh okay. That's that's a good good one. Somebody I've learned a lot from. That's. I think this is like very good questions, and I, I want to be <laughs> them properly. Somebody that I've never met, but I've learned a lot from. Uh, I, I, you know, there are a few people. It could be, it could be, it could possibly be, you know, like a, an agent. It could probably be, possibly be a, a, a artist manager. Mm -hmm. But these days, I feel like I meet everyone. Yeah, of course. Right? I feel like I'm on the road. Yeah, sure things are things are so accessible it's very rare for me to be speaking to someone and not be able to meet them yeah. especially to the point where they're teaching me something sure have you have you met tiesto i haven't met him but maybe yeah maybe like an artist like that you know sure um i i, I feel like i learned the fact that you know you have to be diverse you have to diversify your catalog you have to be relevant in different markets different sounds yeah, that's something that I can say I learned. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay, last uh, one. I've met every, everyone. I've met, I've met everyone. Sure. Everyone that I speak to. I, I mean, that's to what ends up happening is you, you, you meet everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. If I worked for you, if I worked at, at Deep Root Records, uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? At the end of the day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I try. I try to always draw conclusions. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I like it. Yeah, just uh, I try. I try to always keep, you know summarize things for my team, um, and also I will also say to my team not to be afraid. You know, to mm. always follow their gut and follow follow their their inner thoughts. Yeah, that's big, and I think I think people, you know, when you lead a team. It's it's really about helping people break through the fear. Yeah, being able to be confident and you know being able to push through despite second guessing. Yeah, no question. That's big. Well, man, it's so great talking to you. I appreciate 
the uh the insight great chat chatting with you too man thank you man i love what you're doing we'll keep listening um how should everybody find you online um on instagram it's dj francis mercier on spotify and all the dance stores it's francis mercier uh, cool. you know f-r-n-c-i-s mercier m-e-r-c-i-e-r and uh yeah i think you know instagram is typically the best these days just because it's like everywhere but also my website francismercier.com people can see where i'm touring where i'm traveling where i'm performing nice and i'll be all over the world this summer you can't miss me oh very cool yeah, so we'll be all over East Coast, West Coast, Europe, Africa, South Africa, all over the place. Awesome. We'll be watching. Sounds good. Thank you for right your time. On. All right. Yo, that was Francis Mercier on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you check out Deep Root Records and all of their releases. You heard some snippets in our show. I hope you'll go uh, play a lot more. Go to a show. Maybe hit us up if you're going to a show. We'll meet you out there. Uh, And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.